ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I'm at the fun part of my life right now, absolutely ridiculous. You'll be happy to know that I'm sleeping through the night. I have one big, gigantic cough per day, and then after that, I seem to be pretty okay. I don't know what's going on with me. I've been tested for COVID twice, getting tested again before I go to Miami, just because, you know, we're still in a pandemic, and anytime I get, like, the sniffles, I'm like, oh my God, I'm one of those few people that has not experienced having COVID. I would like to keep it that way. I started wearing my mask again, one, because I have this cough, but also because I don't want to catch anything else. It's not lost to me that for the two years that I was in masks, like consistently, I never got sick and I never even had allergies. And I was like, look, I don't mind walking around in a mask. But yeah, but thank you for the folks who, who checked in on me and was like, girl, are you all right? Kind of. Physically, I'm all right. I did something the other day. Like, you know, I've been talking about this Ghana move and it's happening later this summer. And I have been painstakingly for months making lists of things that need to happen. I have like the big tasks and I broke them down to little tasks. I've been neurotic about this. And I told you I'm moving all my stuff back to D.C. So my friend asked me the other day and he was like, oh, when are you leaving? And so I told him the date that I'm leaving for Ghana. And he was like, no, when are you going back to D.C.? And I was like, oh, so I told him that date. And he was like, oh, what time does your flight get in? Because I can pick you up. And I was like, what? And he was like, your flight. Y'all know I forgot to buy a flight. I've, I've, I've taken care of shipping my stuff. I've taken care of shipping my car. I've taken care of shipping shit to Ghana. I forgot to ship myself to D.C. I was like, oh, oh, I need to slow down. I, I really need to slow down. And there's no slowing down in sight. Like, I've got ABFF next week. I'm going down to Miami with my good friends from Cadillac for light shenanigans. At least that's all I'm going to post on Instagram. The heavy shenanigans are not photographed or recorded. But I'm going down with the good folks at Cadillac. <laughs> so when I travel for work, I travel with a trunk. I travel with a trunk in general. But there's a bigger trunk that I travel with for work. Because I have to be head to toe. So I have, like, all my stuff, right? So usually when I'm traveling for work or a longer trip, I take the trunk. But specifically for work, um, I ask them if they can send an SUV specifically to the airport. Like they'll always send somebody to the airport to pick me up. But I specifically ask for an SUV. <laughs> so my manager was speaking to the rep at um, a Cadillac and was like, you know, I just want to confirm specifically that, you know, because Dimitri is traveling with all of her stuff that she has, um, that there'll be an SUV that's picking her up to transport her to the hotel and then to transport her to the hotel. They were like, mm, yes, we're Cadillac. We have Escalades for that. Like we forgot who we was talking to. Carry on. So I'm looking forward to bouncing around Miami, both for ABFF, but also like apparently in a bunch of Escalades. There are times when I really do love my life. What else is going on? I went to a fancy dinner last night. The good folks at When We All Vote. It's um, Michelle Obama's organization. She's trying to get folks out to vote, which is important, including in the midterms. Sometimes folks have a habit of only voting during the uh, the presidential elections. They're trying to make sure folks vote in the midterms as well. But the folks at When We All Vote, shout out to Stephanie Young. They're doing their first Culture of Democracy Summit right now in L.A. I think they're doing a virtual one today on Friday. And then there's an in-person event on Monday. And Michelle Obama is the keynote speaker, which I'm super, super excited about. I was planning to go to Miami early for ABFF, but I was like, you know what? I'll stay in L.A. to see Michelle Obama. 
for reasons you can obviously understand. You know how I feel about Michelle Obama. But there was a fancy dinner last night at the Waldorf Astoria to kick off the Culture of Democracy Summit. It was really cute, really good food. Um, Stephanie spoke. Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross was the keynote. Lots of fun people there. Our friend Angela, Angela Rye was there. She's been on the show before. Ty Bouchamp, who I've known forever. Ty has not been on the show. We should invite Ty on the show. Ty would come on the show, right? I'm going to call Ty. D-Nice was there. I'm trying to think who else you would know. Mashonda. Mashonda was there. She's got a big art exhibit coming up for BET Weekend. She's one of the nicest people I've ever met and beautiful. She's like gorgeous in person. There were some other folks, a lot of a lot of D.C. political folks. Most of the people that I knew in the room were people that I knew from um, the Obama White House. I did not work in the Obama White House. I'm just a black girl from D.C. And if you're a black girl from D.C., you just happen to know people that work in the Obama White House. It just is what it is. Um, but yeah, lots of familiar faces, lots of champagne, good food, good times, good people. It was a good room. I was very glad to be invited. But that's not the reason the podcast is late. The reason the podcast is late is because I've been living out of a suitcase. I usually unpack as soon as I get home from a trip. But the last couple of times I've traveled, my stuff has sat in a suitcase for like a week and change. There's just so much going on. The idea of like, am I going to unpack the suitcase or am I just going to go to bed? I go to bed. But last night I came home from the event and I walked in my place and was like, I can't live like this. So I was up half the night cleaning up my house and unpacking my last suitcase. Unpack the thing, put it away, knowing that I'm going to have to break it out like on Sunday night to start packing for Miami. Like, it is what it is. But I was like, I just can't live like this. I cannot see a suitcase and like clothes and shoes and accessories just all over, just all over everywhere. Like, you know, I live in a loft. You know, if one part of the loft is messy um, and it was not just one part. It was like the whole thing was just shambles. But it just, it looked crazy. And I was like, I'm living in chaos. So I stayed up late cleaning. And then I wanted to see the new episode of The Boys because I'm obsessed with Laz Alonzo. Who, by the way, I know in real life. Like I've known Laz for years and years and years. Laz hosted the LA book signing for Bell in Brooklyn back in 2011. Like Laz is good people. Um, And he knows I'm obsessed with him. That's the funny part. So he'll probably hear me say this and then tease me about it the next time I run into him. Which will probably be either ABFF or essence if I go. That's up in the air right now. Like the negotiators are doing their negotiating and I'm sitting over here doing the podcast. Don't call me until y'all have reached some sort of agreement or everything's ended. I I don't want to know. But yeah, so I started watching the boys in season one, like right when it first came out because the ads had Laz Alonzo in it. And I was like, oh, let me check out what Laz is doing. I knew he was off in, I think in Canada is where they were filming the show, Toronto maybe. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. And then fell in love with the show. It's totally not my typical fare. I like heavy dramas and comedies. This is based off a graphic novel, comic book. It's like if superheroes were real people and they worked for a corporation. Does that make sense? I mean, if it doesn't, give it a watch. Like, it works. Season one was really, really good. Season two was good, but weird as fuck. There was like a Nazi storyline, and I was like, what? But season three has come back with a bang. Oh, you know who else is in it? Big Brother Almighty. He's in it, playing a villain. He's always a villain. Gus Fring, he was a villain. But he's also a villain here, sort of. But you know, he always plays a really good character, and he always has great one-liners. And he's just a great actor all around. Um, What is his name? Esposito. What is his name? I've been watching him in movies since I was like a kid. Giancarlo Esposito. He's easy on the eye, too. I mean, he's an older gentleman. How old is Giancarlo Esposito? How old is he? He's 64. He looks great. 
He looks really great. I did not know he was 64. He looks good. Hmm. I had some more commentary on that. I'm just going to leave that alone. But he's in it too. So he and Laz are in it. And Laz is thick. And I don't mean like, and I don't mean that in no kind of bad way. I mean, just Laz look just, just like he's been eating good carbs and lifting. Very good. V- very, very good. So when I was done cleaning, I went on Amazon. I sat down to watch the boys because I was like, oh, the new episode must come out because, you know, Friday's at midnight, which should mean it was up. It wasn't. The thing airs at 3 a.m. PST. And I was like, look, I'll stay up to midnight for a show to drop. I'm not staying up till 3 a.m. It's a good show. I got up and watched it this morning to see what happens next. It's worth the wait. The main character is like Superman, but with blonde hair. And he's like really arrogant and like super dysfunctional. Homelander. He's absolutely horrible character. He's like 80s reference. He's like J.R. Ewing is a superhero. It's, he's terrible. Oh, you know, he's like, what's the little white boy on, um, on GOT? He's like that. That's who Homelander is. He's awful to watch, but compelling nonetheless. As compelling as you are, as great as this show is, I can't stay up till 3 a.m. Not for a TV show. But I got up this morning and watched it, and it was really good, and I was happy with it. My only complaint about this show is, because I'm used to, like, binging TV. I don't like to wait for shows. I don't like to wait this week. I just like to sit down and just, like, watch an entire thing. Like, take a Saturday... And that's what I do for the day. Like, I I sit in bed or lay on the couch and just watch an entire show to unwind. That's how I enjoy my weekends. Speaking of new, well, this is not a new show. This is a new film coming out. Our Trevante, Trevante Rhodes, is going to play Mike Tyson. I think it's in a Hulu. Let's check that out. This sounds so bad. I know that he's playing Mike Tyson. I saw the pictures all over the internet. I saw the trailer. The only thing I remember is Trevante Rhodes in his draws. He has on some tidy whities at a press conference, and he looks amazing. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Oh, no, it is a series. I thought it was a new film. No, it's a series on Hulu called Mike. Yeah, Mike Tyson got enough life that you could turn that into a series. There's drama and action in every episode. If you have not seen the trailer for Mike, you should definitely check it out. If nothing else, for Trevante Rhodes in his draws. He looks amazing. And he loves to be in his draws. Remember he had that Calvin Klein ad? He was in his draws then too. His body's built different this time. If there's not a story already, there's going to be one about how he trained his body to look like Mike Tyson. He's usually a more narrow guy. I mean, still like full. He's, he's full size, but he's usually more narrow. But he's like, there's another, like he's thick as shit. Ain't no parts of mad at it. He's playing a heavyweight boxer. I mean, he looks like a heavyweight. I, ooh, child. I'm just going to move along. Move along. I'm trying to keep it. I don't know why. I told you I felt a way about the podcast being labeled explicit. And I was like, me? Explicit? But then I have full conversations about men in their draws. So <sighs> maybe it's well earned. We have good black news this week. Melody Hobson, she's the first black woman to own an NFL team. You know who Melody Hobson is, right? Let's read about Melody on Essence. I mean, her being the first black woman to own an NFL team is like really big, but she's just done like a bunch of like big shit. She is the co-CEO and president of Ariel Investments. Okay, I'm reading this on Essence. Melody currently serves as the chair of the board of Starbucks Corporation and is also a director of J.P. Morgan Chase. And the team that she just bought, I don't know how I skipped that part. Um, Denver Broncos for $4.6 billion, billion with a B. It's a group that's headed by Walmart heir Rob Walton. And Melody is part of that group. 
Essence does note that there were several people who were in the running to buy said Broncos. Apparently, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Again, I'm reading this on Essence. John Elway and Peyton Manning, they wanted to buy the Broncos. The Jay-Z, he wanted to buy the Broncos. And Jeff Bezos, Big Bezos from Amazon, he too wanted to buy the Broncos. But now the Broncos belong to Melody. I mean, Melody and several other people. But Melody is who I really care about. Mrs. Lucas. She's married to George Lucas. I intentionally listed everything else she did and then added, like, and, by the way, she's also married to George Lucas. I heard he does films of some sort. No relation. Did a little franchise called Star Wars. But that's her husband. So that's exciting. It's crazy to me sometimes that we're still doing, like, Black First in the year of our Lord 2022. But better late than never. Also in good news this week, or potentially good news, Jennifer Hudson could reach EGOT status. I don't know how I missed that she was just one short. She doesn't have a Tony. I knew she had a Grammy. I knew she had an Oscar. I don't think I realized that she had an Emmy. But the Tony Awards are coming up Sunday, and there is a show called A Strange Loop, which until today I had never heard of, but it's a hit show. Lately, my focus when I think of Broadway has been on uh, uh, Dear Jesse getting butterball naked on the stage. But A Strange Loop is Michael R. Jackson. It's a Pulitzer Prize-winning comedy. It's been nominated for 11 Tony Awards, including Grand Prize of Best Musical. And Jennifer Hudson, she is not starring in the show. She did not perform music for the show. She is a producer on the show. So it's a technicality that would get her this Tony. But she would have an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony if the show wins Best Musical this weekend. It is a front runner. I hope that, I hope that works for her. What other news do we have this week? Melody Hobson, Trevante Road in his draws. I mean, I guess we should celebrate Nick Cannon's children. He's having more children. There's a rumored four more children that Nick Cannon has fathered that are on their way. That's a lot of humans. The Cut has a list of the number of children that Nick Cannon has fathered. Nick Cannon is described here as, quote, the most fertile man. And the headline is Nick Cannon did not get that vasectomy. At one point he was talking about a vasectomy. He was also talking about going celibate. In this article, he said that his celibacy lasted for 45 days. He announced his celibacy in October 2021. He said he didn't even make it to January. He said he got depressed with the loss of his son, understandably so. So he says, and this is a quote. I want to read this because I don't want to make it sound like I'm trivializing the death of his son. This is Nick Cannon's quote in the cut. He says, quote, I got depressed with the loss of my son. So in December, the thing is, everybody saw I was down. So everybody was like, let's just give him a little vagina and that's going to cure it all. That's his quote. And so he adds, he fell victim to it. And then he says, right before Christmas, I started fucking like crazy. I'm sorry, this is being quoted in the cut, but the interview actually happened on Angela Yee's lip service. I just want to clarify that. Nick Cannon is also appearing in a special Father's Day ad for Ryan Reynolds Aviation Gin. In the commercial, Cannon says it's almost Father's Day 
and the one and only Ryan Reynolds asked me to help us all celebrate with the mother of all cocktails, the vasectomy. Cannon adds, Lord knows I need one. I don't know what's what's going on with Nick Cannon and why he's refusing to wear condoms or pull out or get a vasectomy. Something's up with him. He He's starting to remind me of the, um, remember that Ayanla episode, Ayanla Fix My Life? And there was a guy that had something like 27 kids. And I will never forget the visual of Ayanla had these little black doll babies. And she kept giving the guy one baby after another. Like, so he, like, he literally could not hold all these babies in his arms. So there were babies on his lap. Babies were falling out of the chair because it was so many damn kids. And Ayanla was like, how are you going to take care of all of these people. Now I know Nick Cannon makes a lot of money. He makes good money. His talk show is no more. But Nick Cannon stay with a job. Consistently Nick Cannon stays with jobs. Plural. And he makes great money. He likes to fuck clearly. But he also does like to work. He does work a lot. I think because he does work a lot. Because he makes a lot of money. Because none of these children are going to fall into poverty. That people excuse what he's doing having sex with all these different women, clearly with no condoms. But it's like, what's going on with you, bruh? Because you can afford the kids, unlike the guy on Yonla, who I think was paying some woman like, was it like $13 a month, $20 a month in child support? What you doing with $20 on a growing kid? I mean, it's better than nothing, but not much. But something's going on with Nick Cannon. I was like, whatever void that man had that he was trying to fill uh, with not just having sex with all these women, but reproducing also with all these women, there's a lot of people that have a lot of sex. And when it's, when it's women, people like to call them hoes. When it's men, we're just like, oh, boys will be boys. Now it's really the same shit. I don't know what's up with him, but I was like, your voids are showing, sir. Please get the therapy that you so clearly need. As he mentioned, like he, his, he had a child that just passed away. Um, he was doing this before the child passed away. The child's passing exacerbated whatever issues that he's going that he's going through or it added grief on top of whatever issue that was, which I feel terrible for the loss of his child. Again, I don't want to trivialize that in any way. But I was like, sir, you clearly something's going on with you and you need need some help. I said I was not going to talk about this today and I swear I'm not going to talk about it in depth just because we're talking about Nick Cannon and, you know, male hold'em. We call him Lori Harvey a hoe. Um, I also need Nick Cannon to be called a hoe. I also need Future to be called a hoe. Another one who's like repopulating the earth, like eight children with eight different women. No one ever calls him a hoe. Common, nice guy. I got nothing against Common. Common is like, Common is like a benchmark for intelligent women to reach the next level of their fame. He's dated so many women that everyone knows of, but nobody ever calls Common like a hoe or leftovers or unworthy or for the streets. I'm like, that period of his life where he was walking around in like all knit outfits, like I think people are just like, he's on some different shit because he's into politics. I think he's speaking at the culture of democracy because he's like, you know, politically engaged and he seems to be an intelligent man. Like people give him a lot of passes. But I was like, no, ho shit be ho shit be ho shit. If we're going to hold women to it, we got to hold men to it. Like, ah, if that shit's not cute for women and it's not cute for men, like it's not cute to be dating somebody. And every time you leave the house, you're running into people they had sex with. People can be adult about it and they can handle it, but nobody wants to really sit in a room with somebody that you know, like, what your man's stroke game is like. I have more commentary that I could give on that. I'm just going to move along. Explicit. They called me explicit. I have not been watching the, um, I guess there are hearings right now about the January 6th insurrection, which I only know about because I went to a political event last night and people were talking about it. 
I just hadn't tuned in. I had noticed everyone was talking about January 6th again. And I thought it was because the Washington Commanders coach, that would be the Washington, D.C. football team that had a very racist name for a very long time. And then they changed it to the Washington Commanders, which I don't know anyone in D.C. who likes. A lot of folks, I'm just keeping it 100 because my people are my people, but a lot of folks would have preferred if they had just kept the original racist name. And I was like, that's not right, y'all. I can be like very un-PC, but I was like, there's certain stuff. Like you can't just run around using ethnic slurs. Just be like, oh, you know, well, that's been the name all along. I was like, it had been like the Washington, D.C. niggas. Everybody would have been like, get the fuck out of here. This is some bullshit. It's the right thing to do to change the name. Commanders, though? Shouldn't they have been like the Washington, D.C. monuments? I think monuments would have been good. Nobody agrees with me about that in D.C. That's just me. I said that one time at a party and people were like, no, stop. Go back to L.A. But the coach for the Washington Commanders, he was in a kerfluffle earlier this week. He was at a press conference. He was talking about, and his name is Jack Del Rio, by the way, which I had to go look up. I had no idea what the name of the coach was. But he was talking about the insurrection at the Capitol and he called it a a dust up. A dust up. I was like, a dust up. A dust up. He ended up having to apologize for that, I think for obvious reasons. People don't, I was like, did you not watch the same thing I watched? Because I watched on January 6th, like live on CNN. I was on the phone with my mother. If you're a long term listener to this podcast, you know that I, I detailed the entire thing of like, you know, being on the phone with my mom and being like, oh, there's so many people in DC today. Like, this is crazy. And then be like, oh my God, these motherfuckers are on the steps of the Capitol. Like, are you kidding me right now? And then my mother's shouting, like, they're inside. They're inside. I'm like, mommy, they're not inside. They're not inside because my TV was on a delay in the West Coast. It, then, you know, my TV caught up and I was like, oh my God, they're inside. They're inside. They're inside. That was some crazy shit. It was also some traumatizing shit. For the members of Congress and their aides who were in the Capitol that day, because there was there was official government business occurring, all of Congress was in there the day it happened. They were trying to certify the election. And also, I think it's worth noting, people died that day. People were injured. People were terrified. Like, there's these stories of, of, of members of Congress and their aides, like, hiding on the floor under chairs, um, you know, running for their lives. It was purely domestic terrorism. I'm like, I watched it. I watched it. I watched the whole thing. And we all watched this shit. And so to hear it referred to as a dust up, people didn't even call Will Smith open hand slapping Chris Rock at the Oscars. That was assault. But thousands of people attacking the nation's capital, an attempted coup in the United States to be reduced to a dust up. White folks will try to rewrite history on your ass in a minute. January 6th, a dust-up. A dust-up is like two people outside arguing with each other, getting in each other's faces, but nobody throws a punch. Like, that's a dust-up. Folks got heated, tempers flared, but, you know, people intervened. Nobody got hit. Some folks got cursed out. They made a scene. That's, that's a dust-up. Um, remember the video of the police officer who was, he was getting squeezed into the door? Or he was screaming in agony and pain? Dust-up. In that same site, isn't that where that lady got shot? She was trying to, like, climb through a broken window or something. I mean, she was fully, like, crazed and feral. And one of the officers, one of the officers, I don't know if that was a police officer or FBI, but shot her and killed her. That's more than a dust-up. Anything where people died is more than a dust-up. But a dust-up is what he called it. He ended up having to apologize for it because people were fucking outraged for rightful reason. I'm reading this on ESPN, of all places, because it's sports, Washington Commanders. Washington Commander's defensive coordinator, 
So he's not, I'm sorry, Jack Dobrio is not the coach. He's defensive coordinator. He apologized on Wednesday. He said, quote, I made comments earlier today in referencing the attack that took place on the United States Capitol on January 6th. Referencing that situation as a dust up was irresponsible and negligent. And I am sorry. I'm reading, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm reading further down on this ESPN story. This whole thing started because on Monday, Del Rio tweeted in response to a post about the upcoming hearings on the events of January 6th. He tweeted this. He said, would love to understand the whole story about why the summer of riots, looting, burning and the destruction of personal property is never discussed. But this is I'm sorry. He missed the whole discussion about people being upset about, quote unquote, the summer of riots, looting, burning and the destruction of personal property. Does he remember what set that off? Was that the entire country was one trapped in a house and there was a video of a man being murdered by a police of a black man being murdered by a police officer slowly for like nine minutes. People called it a lynching, but killing George Floyd and then finding out that nothing initially had been done about it is why all that shit popped off. Like it was just all these stories of black people being murdered back to back to back. And yes, people went fucking crazy. You're just murdering people and nothing's being done about it. But you want me to what? Like, write to my local congressman? Folks been doing that for years. Ain't shit getting done. And tons of people talked about the violence. I'm like, how did you miss this whole discussion? We're going to talk about January 6th, but we're not going to talk about all this other stuff. We talked about all the other stuff. We did. I would also just like to point out that all the other stuff, all the, the, all the quote unquote riots or uprisings or however you want to classify people being pissed the fuck off because their lives are being treated like they don't matter. None of that was an attempt to overthrow the government. Like January 6th, like that riot, that protest, that dust up was an attempt to overthrow the fucking U.S. government. It's a little more serious than a building on fire. A a coup, a coup, an attempted coup, an attempted coup to overthrow the fucking government of the United States of America. A dust up. White folks will spin, yo. Spin. Spin. This is up there when I used to go to all those. Remember I went through that phase where I was visiting plantations all the time? That stopped after I started going to Ghana and seeing the slave castles. I think that's probably my focus now. Let's go back to the origin of all this. But I used to do all these plantation tours. They love to refer to enslaved people because that's the, the technical term. Slaves is, slaves makes it seem like that's all they ever were. Like they were people who were enslaved. That's a very important distinction. But they used to like call enslaved people like indentured servants, workers, people who worked the property. There was another one that was like real creative. And I was like, is there a reason you're not saying enslaved people? And the woman was like, well, this is how the people like to refer to themselves. Did they? Did they? I mean, I know I wasn't there, but were you? Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Even the ones who were like trying to be more PC, they'd be like, oh yeah, like the enslaved workers. Like there was a unique relationship between the enslaved workers and the plantation owners. It could be a very like, you know, family-like relationship. There was a mutual respect because they needed each other to, to work the property. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not how that went. I mean, the shit was weird for sure. I mean, like your daddy is also your owner and, and your owner is also raping you every day. I mean, shit gets weird. There wasn't no familial like relationship just because you ain't tell a white person every day, fuck you, I hate you because you ain't want to die or be sold away from your family. Doesn't mean you were like, OK, with the situation. 
Everybody was on some like, let's just all get along. Fuck out of here. Spin, spin, spin. What else do we have on this episode? I have Monique has gone too far. D.L. Hughley and Monique are still going at it. Monique did a live sitting there for her husband. I went to my esthetician yesterday and she was talking to me about it. She's like, girl, did you see that live? And she said, they, they went live. The camera was the wrong way. As soon as they started talking, somebody was doing some yard work. And Monique kept being like, daddy, daddy, ask them if they can keep it down or they can work somewhere. I don't know. She called him daddy every five seconds. And I was like, oh, dear. Daddy is her husband. If you, if you don't keep up with Monique and her husband's shenanigans. Monique and D.L. Hughley have gone back and forth about um, essentially what was a contract dispute in Detroit. He's addressed it on his radio show. Monique has gone live. She's posted some stuff. I don't know if he's been posting. At, at one point, Monique brought up the D.L. Hughley infamously. And this is a story that got out because he told it. But he said his daughter came to him and said that one of her friends, the word he used is touch my child. Um, and D.L. Hughley said that he didn't believe it at the time. And he also said that he liked the kid. It was another kid who his daughter had accused of touching her. And when he told this story, he was saying that he handled the situation completely wrong. That was the purpose of him sharing the story was to talk about how people don't always believe victims or survivors of sexual abuse. So he shared this story a while ago. And Monique spoke about it recently in reference to him. So D.O. Hughley addressed Monique bringing this up. Quote, to bring up sexual trauma in an argument that has nothing to do with what you're talking about is unconscionable. This, in the first jab he took online at Monique, he brought this up too. He said, you didn't play Precious's mother. You let her out. You stopped pretending to be human and you won an Oscar for being exactly who you are. Who says they love women and are there for women and protect the babies and would just trot out someone's sexual trauma just to use in an argument? Dio Hughley's oldest daughter, she also responded to Monique. I think this was literally in the comment section of something Monique had posted. She said, this is the daughter. She said, you've now publicly disrespected my mother, who I love and care for very much, and my baby sister. And I'm assuming that's the then 13-year-old. She continues, who I also love, respect, and care for very much. At this point, I feel like you were asking my family and myself to act out of character. Out of all the things that you could have legitimately said about my dad, you chose to be deliberately mean and hurtful to two black women who have nothing to do with this conversation. She also pointed out, quote, you are adding to the historical and systemic disrespect and trauma of other black women who you claim to love. And for what? A check? You're bringing up trauma for a concert lineup discrepancy. All you've done is prove that you have no moral compass. Monique says she brought it up because D.O. Hughley is of low character and she wanted to give an example of how low his character was. I'm with the kid and D.L. Hughley here. There was a rightful dispute that happened between D.L. Hughley and Monique. His contract said he was the headliner. Her contract said she was the headliner. D.L. Hughley technically struck first. It wasn't in public. But Monique's version of events is they were at the venue. D.L. Hughley was like, I'm the headliner. And if she's the headliner, then I'm not going on. Monique gets on stage and starts talking about what's happening backstage. And that's how this whole thing becomes public knowledge. And then they start going back and forth on the Internet. Okay, the issue 
is with whoever did the contracts. Whoever produced this event told both of them they were going to be the headliner. So when they got to arguing, each, of, each one of them thinks that they, are, that they are in the right because their contract says X, Y, Z. Both of them need to stop going at each other and go after the fucking event planner or event production, which is the cause of all this shit. You're talking about the man's wife and sexual acts that she does. You're talking about a, a, a child being sexually abused and the man not believing. Like, you're, you're opening these old wounds. And as the daughter points out, over a contract dispute? Because that's literally what this boils down to. I mean, it's black people, so it becomes, it goes from contract dispute to being on disrespect and GP. And black people will let you get away with a lot of shit based on GP and perceived disrespect. It's part of the culture. But she's going too far. I'm with the daughter on this one. Monique is mad. And I think rightfully mad on this. Rightfully mad at the wrong person and attacking the wrong people. And I know why she went after his wife and daughter. There's soft spots for him. Like, you can say whatever you want about him. He probably doesn't give a fuck at this point. But his wife and kids, they're, they're the soft spots. He's, she's only attacking them to get at him. But as the daughter points out, like, you're weaponizing my family's trauma you're insulting my mother on a national stage. We're all black women. You're supposed to be a black woman who cares about black women, who wants black women to give a fuck about you, but you're using us as pawns in this argument against my dad. And then I'll add, the real issue isn't even D.L. Hughley. I wish this would stop and all go away. Especially as like the daughters and the wife are upset by it. It's causing these women trauma because this daughter has now spoken up. What's the... um? Is it Audrey Lord or Zora Neale Hurston, where if you don't speak up about your trauma, people will say you liked it? I butchered that quote, but you know what I'm talking about. But the daughter has now spoken up. Like, she didn't say anything, so I don't think people are really thinking about, like, well, how do the daughters who are being discussed here, like, how do they feel? The daughter has spoken up and was like, enough. It's too much. Like, I'm personally insulted. You're attacking us. Me, my mom, and my sister have nothing to do with this shit. Leave us out of it. Like, she feels away. Stop. You know, Monique's response to this, this young woman saying like stop enough like you're you're harming my family you're harming black women who have nothing to do with this the girl said she was like you know if you want to talk about it like basically pull up and Monique's response was like yeah I'll come on your father's show and we can all talk we can all sit down and talk about it girl what ma'am's very polite version of what was essentially pull up was like you know we could fight the fair one it wasn't an invitation to go on her father's radio show like, that was meet me in the streets she said I feel like you were asking my family and myself to come out of character ma'am she said she's ready to act out of character. That's not a conversation. She's about to lay hands on your ass. Look, Monique is a woman of a certain age, but she's talking a lot of shit. She could get it too. My mother never taught me how to fight. My mother said if somebody tried to attack you, pick up the heaviest thing you can find and hit him in the head with it. That's all I know. I don't know what this young woman was taught, but she's talking about seeing Monique and coming out of character. That sounds on sight to me. Monique better hope ain't nothing heavy around. I hope Monique can fight or duck. Young people got young people energy. That's it for this week, y'all. I'm about to, I don't know what I'm about to do. I might just go lay back in the bed. No, I'm going to go to the gym. I didn't go to the gym yesterday because I had a bunch of stuff that I had to do. I'm going to take my ass to the gym. And then I'm going to lay in the bed. If you have not picked up your merchandise for Ratchet and Respectable, and many, many, many of you have, we're almost sold out of almost everything. There are still white and gold hoodies left. I, I think there's medium, extra large, and double XL. All the mugs are gone. All the logo stuff is gone. Everything green is gone. There's the interested men act interested. I still have a few of those in tees, hoodies, and crew necks, and then cut the check in tees, hoodies, and crew necks. 
I think all of that merchandise is 50% off from the original price. So if you have not picked up your merch for Ratchet and Respectable, Demetria L. Lucas dot com folks be asking how you can support the podcast this is the best way to support the podcast if you can pick up merchandise i greatly appreciate you and i also appreciate you just for listening y'all tune in faithfully every week in droves because the numbers are up i was like where did all y'all come from but thank you for being here i do appreciate you we'll speak again next week have an amazing weekend get into shenanigans don't record anything that can be used against you in a court of law all right Talk next week. Bye.